0: Or what we're going through, we can uh, cooperate uh, with one another better. So hopefully that sermon this morning will help us to do that a little bit more. Uh, we are uh, starting a new series this morning. Uh, if you have your bulletin with you, you see a new invitation that we're introducing. Come. Grow with us. We just finished four weeks in Jonah, and we're going to spend three weeks looking at the life of the early church uh, in the book of Acts to see how the Bible teaches us that we can move forward together in growth uh, as a church. Now, if you were with us uh, for a number of years, you know that two and a half years ago we did a special campaign called Ready to Grow. And Ready to Grow was about raising some funds to expand our part-time staff to full-time because we felt like we needed more time to be able to build the ministry and the mission that God was leading us to. And and those of you who have been here, you stepped up. We raised, I think it was about $140,000 over that two and a half year period to fund uh, the growth of the church to this point. And at the end of this calendar year, Ready to Grow is coming to an end. And so we're going to be talking more this fall about what is the next step and where do we go from here. And and I'd to suggest for us this morning, with this invitation that we have on our bulletin, we're going to be getting some new banners on the building outside. Uh, This is time for us to go public with our invitation, that that we're ready to grow and we want people to know that if they come here, that this is a place where they too can grow in their own life, in their own journey with Jesus. And so the invitation is first and foremost to us, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that this morning and over the next three weeks, but ultimately it's also an invitation for those who aren't here yet. See, we want to be a church here at Faith Covenant, that is good at reaching out to those around us, that connects with our community, and that sees more and more people coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, amen? I mean, isn't that part of why the church exists? Isn't that part of Jesus' call on our life is to be a part of making new disciples? Yet included in this invitation is is an assumption that we are growing ourselves, right? Come grow with us is the invitation. See, what we've been learning about in many and varied ways over the recent weeks and months here at the church is that it's not really an either-or proposition. It's really a both-and. We cannot grow as a church until and unless we are investing in the growth and the development of the people who are already here, right? Right? discipleship is a lifelong proposition. It's not like you make a decision to accept Christ, then all of a sudden you're done and you become a, a, a chair sitter in church, right? You can, we could have said a pew sitter a few weeks ago, but now it's a chair sitter. As we've talked about the vision that we believe that God is, is leading us to a, as a church, to, to pursue the, the, the biblical mission of what it means to be a church, we've talked about it as living a real life together. And our discipleship pathway is is expressed in those three words, connecting, growing, and serving. See, it starts with discipling and developing one another, those who are already here, because it's as we grow in our faith that we are led by the Spirit of Christ to share our testimonies and the good news of what he's doing in our lives so that the gospel moves out into the world. And as we serve as the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, we not only share good news, but we become good news to the community around us. We know from Scripture that part of the evidence of our own growth and spiritual maturity is that we become a part of multiplying disciples in the world. So one of the questions I have for us as we look forward to this next season that's coming is how do we, as a church, develop a pattern and a lifestyle together that no longer sees these as two separate issues but really two sides of the same coin, that our own growth is an essential part of the growth of the church? Or another way to ask the question is, how do we connect, grow, and serve together in a way that it becomes an invitation for others to join in with us on this journey of life with Jesus? Now, I'm going to suggest something really radical for us this morning, so just, you know, hold on to your seats really quick. What if we follow God's word? Might that be a way that we could find a plan for a pattern and a lifestyle to live as church in the world and see more people come to faith in Jesus? Well, over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47 of Acts, which describes the community life of the early church. At the very beginning of chapter 2, we see the, the giving and the coming of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, the Spirit descends on the disciples in the upper room, and Peter stands up and, and gives this amazing, eloquent sermon, and 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus in one day, right? And then in verse 42, it describes for us the emerging lifestyle this newly forming community that would become known as the ecclesia in the Greek or the gathering. And and it's that same word that we now translate as as church. It's the gathering of the Christ followers. It's the gathering of God's people. Now, our premise for the series, I'd like to suggest for us this morning, is that the shared lifestyle of the early church that we're going to see in Acts is not something random or accidental. In the context of Acts chapter 2 and the larger story uh, of the gospel of Luke and and the book of Acts where the church begins to expand through the power of the Holy Spirit, what we see happening in the life of the early church in Acts 2 is a result of the presence and the power of the Spirit of Christ at work in his followers. See, Acts 1 describes this transition from Jesus' resurrection and his commissioning of his disciples to his ascension into heaven, right? And and then Acts 2, the Spirit comes and and the church is born. This new community called the Ecclesia and the gathering is formed by the gift of the Spirit. And then what we see is that Acts 2 gives us the overall context for what life in the Spirit looks like in faith community. It's the church in Jerusalem that becomes the central location for which the rest of the church would grow. And they would send out missionary uh, efforts to, to spread the good news of Jesus, not only in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? As Jesus predicted and called them to do. And then the rest of the book of Acts tells this missionary story. It's actually called the Acts of the apostles. We call it Acts for short, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, but it's the Acts of the apostles. It's the, it's the doingness of the church, right? It's what they did as a result of this new life in Christ and being empowered by the Spirit. As with the rest of the Scripture, more than simply being a historical document or account, it's primarily intended to teach us theologically. And what I mean by that is that it's the particular events that are chosen by by Luke as the author that reveal to us something that he wants us to know about God and and something that God has revealed to us about life in his son Jesus. And so as we come to the story of the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, I'd like to suggest for us that it's more than simply an interesting history lesson on the early church. The reason that Luke included this aspect of the story and and the unique way that he does so is a part of his intention for his readers and for us to see the truths about God that also have a claim on our lives today as we seek to be the ecclesia, the gathered people of God in Sumner and in East Pierce County and wherever God would lead us. So I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to turn in a Bible or on your uh, flat screen device, or we'll also have the words on the screen where we're going to read verses 42 to 47. And, and as we do, I just want to suggest to, to think about something that I noticed as I was reading through, and I don't know if scholars would suggest it this way, but it's what made sense to my brain as I was kind of reading it through. There's kind of pairs of, of verses, and, and there's something that the early church did And then there was a result that happened. And let me me just walk you through that real quick. In verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then what was the result? Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. That's what they did. What was the result? Well, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And the result was praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And then the summary crescendo at the end. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right? The Lord added to their number. This, this is the Holy Spirit's church growth strategy, right? This is God's word on how to do church well. Uh, and, and how does it start out? What is the first thing that it says they did? It says they devoted themselves, Right? They devoted themselves to to some very specific things that allowed them to experience life in the spirit in community. The same word that's used for devoted is also used in chapter one to to translate the word constantly. It carries the idea of an intentionality and a a persistence and, and a constancy to life, or as Eugene Peterson once said, right, a long obedience in the same direction. And maybe a question for us as we jump into Acts 2.42 this morning and in the weeks ahead is just simply to ask ourselves, what are we devoted to? What, what are you devoted to? I mean, what, is, what does devotion look like in our lives? Because I, I think that we're devoted to, to some, some things, don't you think? I mean, what is it that constantly and persistently takes your time, talent, and treasure, Right? Is it Netflix? (laughs) Some of us are pretty devoted to Netflix, aren't we? Streaming is an amazing gift from God. (laughs) Or football. I mean, some of us are pretty devoted to football up here in the Northwest, right? I mean, that was a little bit of a shock when we moved up here four years ago. It's a religion up here. Here's a big challenge that we have as parents dealing with our kids, too. What about your phone? How devoted are you to your phone? Isn't that a weird statement? Did you ever think we'd be saying that we're over-devoted to a phone? And yet, so much of our time and energy is taken up by these devices in our lives. I mean, how much time do we give to our technology and to upgrading and to focusing on the latest communication or Snapchat? Have you, do you guys know what streaks are? Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. see? 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 Okay, so, so we, we talked about this at, at the Cov Talks night, too, with technology, right? There's these motivating fact, uh, keys they put into these apps. So you can text back and forth or uh, Snapchat back and forth with a friend. And every, time, every day you do that, you, you, you build a streak right? And, and, and you, what you do want to do is you don't want to miss a day because then you miss a streak. And so some kids are going, I, how, how long is it, Jason? Years, right? I mean, 365 days plus, and they have these streaks going, and they are motivated to, to devote themselves to that phone, right? We're devoted to a lot of things in life. Email, Snapchat, Instagram, or, or maybe if you're like Tammy and I, it could be your home and your kids and, and your jobs and just the busyness of life that, that takes up so much time and energy and effort, or, or your work life and your career and climbing the ladder or just managing your business and the employees that you have. I mean, think about the devotion it takes to, to give yourself to something like that. See, none of these things are necessarily bad things in and of themselves. But, but if our level of devotion to these things prevents us from committing ourselves to the things that the Bible teaches us are essential for life and growth and faith and in our walk with Jesus, we can start to have a little bit of a problem, not only in our own spiritual lives, but as a faith community. See, if our own personal lives prevent us from participating in the life of the church, the life of the gathering, the life of the ecclesia in a way that becomes life-giving for us, what do we really have to offer the world around us that is chasing after all those other things that that they're devoted to as well? We need to ask these questions about our own lives and about how we do church here together. And as we said, it's not primarily an either-or proposition. It really is a both-and so what did they devote themselves to if they i mean they didn't have phones right so what did they devote themselves to well the first one is they had devoted themselves to the apostles teaching now the apostles teaching was essentially what they had heard from jesus right and and, and the interpretation of the old testament scriptures that, that they shared what the new meaning was and the new understanding based on what they had seen God doing in and through his son Jesus, his life and his teachings and his death and now his resurrection. So the the teaching of the apostles was the continuation of the teaching of Jesus. And and over time, they had people who who began to write those down and and they began to collect them. And now the New Testament is really the collection of what the apostles taught and the collective church kind of went through and said, well, these are the, the letters that were written or the books that were written that most accurately capture what we think that the, the apostles' teaching really was and what Jesus was about. And so now we have the Bible as God's word, the apostles' teaching. And so they devoted themselves in our language to God's word. They, they, they studied it, they read it, they, they listened to it, they were taught it, and they, and they did that in community together. See, we, we also recognize the importance of committing ourselves to studying God's word here at Faith Covenant Church. We, we want to have our, our teaching and our preaching based on God's word, but, but it's more than, than, than just getting bite-sized snippets on Sunday morning, right? We also understand that we need to be digging in deeper to God's word so that we're learning more the broad scope of scripture and, and the story of God's people and where God is at work in that. But then even beyond that, it's not just for the information that's in the Bible, but, but we want to engage with God through God's word word in a, in a spiritual sense. The Bible is, is the living, breathing word of God, and through his spirit, it becomes a part of what forms and shapes our understanding in our heart. And if we're not engaging in God's word, we're not growing in our faith. And one of the best ways we know to do that is to do that in community together. So to be in a, in a Bible study or a small group or, or to be a part of a class of people who are intentionally going deeper into God's word is a part of what they devoted themselves to. They also devoted themselves to what? The, the fellowship. The Greek word there is koinonia. And, and, and there's this idea that, that, that because of the shared spirit they had, they had this new experience of relationship with one another that just went beyond a simple acquaintance or even a worldly type of friendship. There was, there was some kind of experience of becoming like a spiritual family because they were, they were knit together by this experience they had of God's spirit. And what we see is that that across cultural boundaries, across issues of class and race and ethnicity, people were gathering together in their homes and they were sharing meals around the table, which was unheard of in their culture at that time. In in fact, it's unheard of in our culture in our time. Right? Right? And we know we still struggle with these issues of class and race and ethnicity. And we know that on Sunday morning, the Christian church is the most segregated it is at any other time throughout the week. And yet, through the Holy Spirit, we saw a different experience in these early Christians. They welcomed one another into their homes. Hospitality was one of those key features that that won the favor of the people around them in their culture because they welcomed all people equally to have a seat at the table. Now, I I don't know about you or in your own spiritual life, but I I assume that most of us can think of at least one or two people who, who were really impactful in our own spiritual growth and development, right? Our own discipleship. And I know for me, one of those important people was Steve Knox. He was my middle school youth pastor. And the thing about Steve that, that I remember most as I think back and, and understand what he did for me and what he included me in, in his life is that, that he didn't just, uh, you know, talk, give good talks or, or, or lead youth group well. He actually invited me into his life. He, he actually opened time for me in his schedule and built a relationship with me, which as a, as a young middle school, you know, guy was pretty phenomenal That hear this, you know, kind of rock star guy that I looked up to would, would take time just to hang out with me. You know, he'd have to go uh, shop a list of stuff to get for youth group. He'd say, hey, Kurt, you want to go to the store with me? I'm, I'm going shopping. And he'd pick me up in his car and we'd go to the store and we'd just hang out at the store and I'd help him shop. Hey, Kurt, you want to learn how to play guitar? You can come over to my apartment, and I'll, I'll teach you. You only need to know three basic chords, and you're good to go, right? So he, he taught me how to play guitar, and it inspired me to then go on and start taking lessons later, and it became one of those things that I really enjoyed in my life. But it was that invitation to enter into his life that made all the difference for me. He wasn't just some paid pastor who did youth group uh, uh, you know, during the week. He, he was my friend, and, and he invested in me and that was a part of what allowed me to see the presence and the love of Jesus in my life. So as they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, Now, the breaking of bread is most obviously a reference to communion, right? Jesus instituted communion with his disciples at the Last Supper, and so they they committed themselves to continue that tradition because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, right? It was one of his commands. But I'd like to suggest that I think for the early church, as we understand what, what communion meant for them, it was more than just some religious ritual that they did in order to kind of say they checked that off the list, right? As communion, it carries something more, uh, that it it was not only a reminder of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, but it was a reminder of his ongoing presence with them through the power of his spirit, and that because he was alive, they were empowered to carry on this mission. So so taking communion was a a visible sign and a reminder of the presence of of Christ with them and, and the commitment and the responsibility they had to live out this calling. He had given them to go and make disciples. It was also a commitment for them to follow Jesus' example that they too were called to be broken bread for other people. They were called to to live sacrificial lives in in the service of other people so that they could communicate this gospel love that Jesus had revealed of the heart of the Father for the people around them. And it says they devoted themselves to prayer. Now, now, prayer is a tough one, I think, for, for many of us, because some, some of our exposure to prayer is limited to, you know, the praying a blessing for the meal, right? And that's good. It's good to, to pray and bless the food. But, but I think prayer is so much more than just saying rote words to God and kind of, again, checking that off our religious list. Prayer is this idea of, of an ongoing engagement with the living God. It's a, it's a conversation. It's a dialogue. We don't just talk to God, but God talks back. Right? And, and, and when's the last time that, that you heard the voice of God speaking into your life? When's the last time you intentionally took time to, to just sit and pray and wait for God to speak to you, to to speak into your life so that you know that it's not just you going through the motions, but it, but it is a, a living relationship with God? You know, earlier we talked about how it's All Saints Day, and we celebrated some of the saints who have passed on this year uh, in... in uh, uh, in recent year, we celebrated Bea Hurd's passing, Mike and Carleen's mom. And, and, and B was one of the most faithful women that I got to meet after we moved up here. She was on the staff relations team when I got here. And so I got to know B quite well. And, and she would almost every Sunday come up to me in the lobby after the service and just with this, this joyful face say, you can't believe how good Jesus is to me. And I say, well, tell me more. And she said, well, you know, years ago, Jesus said, if you come down and meet me every morning, you come and sit in this chair, I'll meet you, and, and, and I'll talk to you. And, and, she, and she did. She faithfully went down, sat in that same chair, and she would just tell me these amazing stories. Said, God is so good. He showed up again today. He showed up again today, and he spoke to me today. A true woman of faith who knew that prayer was more than just a religious ritual. It was an ongoing engagement With God, And it's not something that that we only can do in our living room in a quiet chair, but it's something we can do when we're on the freeway and and when we're at work. and, and, And prayer becomes an ongoing awareness of God's presence and activity in our lives. And it becomes something that we learn how to do by doing it in community together. They devoted themselves to spending time with God, to engaging with God, and to hearing from God in their lives. And what was the result? what was the result of all these things that they devoted themselves to? Verse 43, it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. You know how I interpret that sentence? God showed up. They devoted themselves to these things because they knew that these were the priorities in Christ's kingdom and to keep them on track with what God had called them to do together and God showed up. Miracles happened. People found healing and wholeness in their lives. They were, hearts were transformed. Enemies became friends. Strangers became family. And the church grew daily. As we want to be people who live a real life together and as we connect and we grow and we serve as a part of our discipleship to Jesus. Can we see in this pattern of Acts 2 42 a practical example of how we too can begin to commit to a few simple things that could have a dramatic impact on how we exist as a church and how we impact the community around us? You know, one of the things I have found helpful is that our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, has developed a discipleship acronym based on the word GROW that kind of tracks with what we see here in Acts 2.42. G in GROW stands for God's Word, which is the apostles' teaching, right? The R stands for relationship, which is the fellowship, the koinonia of the early church outward action could be the, the breaking of the bread because if we live our lives as Jesus did and we are willing to be broken bread for others around us, then it means that we're willing to live outwardly in service and sacrifice to others. And then, of course, worship is all about engaging with God, right? In prayer, in praise, in hymns, and spiritual songs. And so, so what, a, what a simple acronym to remind us that if we want to grow as a church, if we want to grow in our faith, Acts 242 gives us a very clear recipe of what we need to be doing in order to at least give ourselves the best shot of actually growing in our faith. Now, I'd like to suggest, and we're going to talk more about this as as we move forward, uh, one of the ways that that we could say, well, how would we do that? How can we do that here at Faith Covenant Church? And, And I want to suggest that I'd like to invite us to consider in the weeks ahead a real life commitment together or a real-life together commitment. How will we grow here at Faith Covenant Church? So one thing is that, that not only do we attend on Sunday mornings, but, but we should all be a part. If you're a regular attender here or, or, or a covenant partner, you should be helping make Sunday morning happen right? Sunday morning is our front door experience for every new guest who comes to our church. And if we're concerned about hospitality and sharing our love with one another, wouldn't it make sense that we would all participate in throwing out the red carpet for new guests who come? We did a recent assessment. How many people do you think it takes to pull off one Sunday morning? 50 to 60 people. To pull off one Sunday morning. Now multiply that by 52 weeks a year. We could use some help in, in throwing out the red carpet for our guests, in, in, in providing hospitality. I mean, if you are a regular attender here, this is your church, right? You're part of the family. And if you're a part of a family like my family, everybody has a role to play. And so, so not only attend on Sunday morning, but in whatever ways you can, help make Sunday morning happen. And we'll talk more about that as we move forward. Number two, be in a small group, right? You you, you need to be in a group of people where you're going deeper in your faith, you're going deeper into the word, and, and you're able to share the ups and downs of life because we know that's where the Holy Spirit really works in our relationships with one another, where we invite ourselves to be accountable to other Christians who are on the journey together. Number three, serve on at least one serving team. We also know that we grow best in our own faith when we use the gifts that God has given us to serve Him, and we learn how God has wired and shaped us to be a part of His kingdom and to be a blessing to other people. And if we're not using your gifts to serve other people, then, then you're missing one of the key ways that God uses to shape and mold us and to grow us in the faith. And we're running short on time, so I'm just gonna quickly wrap up for this morning. And, and number four, this is a tough one, right? It's the third rail of preaching. Support the church financially, right? I mean, we're a nonprofit church. Everything that we do comes out of the gifts and and the collection of of sharing our resources together. Uh, This is not a plug to, to get you to start giving money to the church. This is one of the ways, again, that we grow in our faith. Jesus was very clear that our relationship with money is one of the first and most important things that can get us off track in our relationship with God. And so if we're not able to at least talk about money and the role of money in our life and the role of money in a faith community, then again, we're missing one of those big challenge areas where God will want us to go. We'll talk more about that as we move forward. But it's my hope and my prayer that as we look into these insights in Acts 2 and we learn more about God's word for our lives, that, that we will devote ourselves to the same things that the early Christians devoted themselves to because we want you to grow. and Because when, when we grow, the church grows. And when the, the church grows, the kingdom of God grows. And when the kingdom of God grows, all the praise goes to God. And isn't that the fulfillment of why God has created us to begin with, is to, to praise him and to meet our ultimate purpose in our relationship with him. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you have invited us to experience community together. As we look into Acts 2, 42 to 47 in the, the next few weeks, would you give us insight to see how you want to, again, invite us to be a part of creating community for others, to grow in our own faith as we exist as, as the ecclesias, the gathered people in this space, and that through that you allow other people to hear your invitation to come and to grow along with us. And we will praise you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray.